You're listening to Florida Capital Conversations, a podcast series brought to you by Holland and Knight's Tallahassee office. Each episode of this series will take a look at the many different aspects of state and local government through the lens of our experienced legal professionals. Our hosts have a wide range of Florida governmental experience and offer a seat at the table to everyone who listens to these candid conversations. Hello, this is Mia McCown with Holland and Knight. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Florida Capital Conversations. Privacy is such a big issue. If you all are like me, I talk on my phone and next thing I know, I'm getting an ad for something. It's become such a big deal in our society and especially when it really matters with our protected health information. I'm so glad to have with me today Um, my partners, Shannon Hartsfield and Eddie Williams. We're going to talk a little bit about HIPAA and some of the new issues and cutting edges and things we all need to know about privacy in the healthcare arena with our healthcare information. Shannon Hartsfield, we're really lucky. Eddie, I know you'll agree. She is, I mean, legit known all over the country for her expertise in this area. She has written books and she also is very passionate about it and gets very excited about HIPAA. And it's just, it's going to be a fun conversation to learn what's going on and what we can expect coming up. So Shannon, what's, tell us a little bit about what's going on with HIPAA enforcement, what you see on the landscape with litigation now that I've, you know, ordained you the guru of all things. Thanks, Mia. No, I'm, I'm, we're fortunate to have Eddie Williams on as well, one of our partners here who definitely um, works extensively with HIPAA also. So I hope he'll keep me honest and, and let me know if I trip up at all here. Something to keep in mind as we're talking about HIPAA is that there are legitimate enforcement and litigation risks if we don't comply with the requirements. Civil penalties can start in, you know, in the low $100 per violation, but they can exceed $1.9 million for multiple violations of the same requirement in a calendar year. And these are adjusted for inflation. Penalty limits can be lower based on the government's enforcement discretion, but they can also add up very, very quickly if they are, there are multiple violations of different requirements. Shannon, who enforces HIPAA? That's a great question. HIPAA is enforced at the federal level by the Department of Health and Human Services and its Office for Civil Rights. That office also deals with uh, enforcement of certain laws regarding disabilities and anti-discrimination, but a lot of what they do is privacy and security enforcement of HIPAA. Now, if there are criminal penalties, they can refer cases to the Department of Justice and criminal penalties for violating HIPAA for knowing violations can go as as high as, you know, $250,000 in 10 years in prison, depending on what the elements of the crime are, whether it's under false pretenses, whether they're trying to get money. Have they really gone to jail for a HIPAA violation? There have been criminal penalties for HIPAA violations and also state corollaries to HIPAA, especially for very bad actors using medical information for things like ID theft. But I believe there's been one person who went to jail for a little while for just snooping through records. So it is a serious 
crime potentially. And uh, I wouldn't worry too much about criminal penalties unless you really are a bad actor, but it, it's been known to happen. Something to keep in mind that there are no, there, HIPAA doesn't have a private right of action. So no one can go sue somebody for violating HIPAA. So if I went to my doctor's office and I found out that they had been, you know, like they were on the phone and another patient overheard them talking about my test results. I can't sue the practice myself, the doctor myself? No, no. and I actually get that question a lot. You, you can't sue for a HIPAA violation, but you can potentially sue under some state law cause of action if, if you can find some state law that you can hang your hat on to show that you were injured in some way that the courts would recognize in your particular state. But where we what we mostly see what I would call HIPAA enforcement is is in the litigation context under those state law claims. And we'll talk about that more in a little bit. Some recent enforcement actions by the Office for Civil Rights. The Office for Civil Rights usually investigates complaints and for particularly egregious situations or cases where they want to make sure the public understands what you know what you need to do with HIPAA, they'll go after um, certain covered entities and business associates. Enforcement by the Office of Civil Rights is, I would say, enforcement actions are few and far between, but they do happen. Some recent enforcement actions from this year and last year include a $75,000 settlement with a, a business associate that was working for some kind of covered entity because they had an unsecured server. There was a $240,000 settlement in June of 2023 with a hospital where they had security guards who were snooping in patient records. There was a $350,000 settlement in May of 2023 for another unsecured server that a business associate had. Back in December of 2022, a dental practice had to pay $23,000 to settle a claim that they had violated HIPAA by responding on social media to patient reviews, and those responses included protected health information. So if you've got a patient complaining about you on social media, you have to be very, very careful in how and whether you respond to those kinds of complaints. Even if the patient is making their information public, that doesn't mean that you can do the same in, a de in defending yourself, which isn't fair, but that's how the regulations are interpreted right now. Hey, Shannon. There, yes. In, in those instances where the business associate was subject to those fines and penalties for an act that they committed, do the covered entity of that business associate's still need to be concerned about its HIPAA compliance program, even though the action occurred at the business associate level? That's a great question, Eddie. The government, the, um, as I said before, the Department of Health and Human Services Office for Civil Rights enforces HIPAA, but the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services used to enforce HIPAA, and they also have some involvement in making sure that covered entities and business associates speak the appropriate computer language with respect to HIPAA and engage in standard transactions. And recent guidance, more recent guidance from CMS has said that you are responsible for the activities of your business associate, whereas the Office for Civil Rights has a frequently asked question on its website. It's still up there that says, clearly, you are not responsible as a covered entity for the actions of your business associates, unless you knew or should have known of some kind of problem and you didn't take any steps to correct it. 
So that's kind of a gray area. I would advise clients to make sure that they take reasonable measures to make sure their business associates are going to comply with HIPAA at a minimum. You need a HIPAA compliant business associate agreement in place with them. And if you have that and they trip up, I think the the risks to covered entities are fairly low, uh, but you definitely want to consider the risks of any sort of business associate relationship. And, and if they do get in trouble, you want to make sure that they are correcting it. That's a great question. And um, I know I, say, I stated in the beginning how kind of our phones control our life. Um, they hear everything that we say, but we have become such a digital society between people are on Instagram, they're on Twitter, they're on Facebook. And people are, they search the web for health information. Does HIPAA play any type of role in our consumer data, our digital process? I I mean, I was shocked when you just said that even though someone may give you a bad review on the internet, you have to be really careful in defending yourself. And so I'm just curious how all that plays with HIPAA. I think that's very, very interesting. And it's probably changing daily as our technology changes. Yes, HIPAA has a pretty limited application or pretty limited scope. A lot of folks think anything related to health health information is, is protected by HIPAA, and that's not the case. HIPAA only applies to health information held by what we call covered entities and their business associates and subcontractors. And covered entities only include uh, health plans, healthcare clearinghouses, and most healthcare providers, only, but only those healthcare providers that transmit health information electronically in connection with very specific standard transactions listed in the regulations. And those include things like billing or health claims. So most doctors and hospitals are definitely subject to HIPAA because they bill electronically and so they, they engage in those standard transactions. But Outside of HIPAA, there is a ton of health data floating around there that's absolutely not subject to HIPAA. A lot of medical apps collect health information. Patients can freely disclose their own information wherever they want to, and they're not subject to HIPAA. Employers in their role as employers aren't subject to HIPAA. So there are a lot of exceptions, and it's it's sort of counterintuitive, but a lot of health data floating out there that it doesn't have any protection at all, or maybe it's only protected under state laws. Also, the Federal Trade Commission does have jurisdiction and does enforce privacy requirements for those medical apps that I was mentioning before. If you have an app that's collecting health data, it needs to make sure that it's complying with whatever it's told the individual that it would do or not do with health data. So another enforcement action that we want to make sure we're aware of is there's been a lot of enforcement activity by the Office for Civil Rights related to patients' rights of access to their health information. And so that's very important. If a patient wants access to their data that's used to make decisions about them, HIPAA gives them the right to access that. In a future segment of this podcast, Alerta Capital Conversations, we're going to hear more about how patients have the right to access their information electronically. Eddie Williams is going to talk to us about that. But back to some new HIPAA developments. Back in December of 2022, the Office for Civil Rights issued a bulletin that talked about an important issue relating to improper disclosures of protected health information through website tracking tools. When we go visit a website, 
it might have what we call on that website a, a pixel, a Facebook pixel, or now Meta owns Facebook, so a Meta pixel. And if that pixel is installed on the website, it can track our activities. It will send a little piece of data to Facebook and let them know that we were visiting a particular site. This is sometimes used for marketing purposes. Sometimes it's used just to help a website function properly. There's a lot of technicalities with respect to website tracking tools, but the Office of Civil Rights wants people to make sure that you're not using a tracking tool vendor that is not HIPAA compatible. What does that mean? That means that the tracking tool vendor is willing to say that it has a HIPAA compliance program and will sign a HIPAA business associate agreement. Uh, some third parties tracking that have these tracking tools, uh, like Facebook, do not sign business associate agreements. And so you cannot send protected health information to those third parties without the business associate agreement in place or a patient's authorization a HIPAA authorization that contains very specific requirements. So that's difficult to get. There are a few vendors out there that are HIPAA compatible, but a lot of them are not. And it's my understanding that north of 90% of healthcare providers were using these tracking tools prior to this bulletin coming out. And a lot of times the tracking tools are simply sending the the IP address of the visitor to the website. They're that they're only sending an IP address and no other information to um, these third parties. They're not sending the person's name. They're not sending their email address or anything about their particular health condition. They're simply sending a signal indicating that someone with a particular IP address visited a particular web page. How can this possibly be protected health information? Well, under HIPAA. Anything related to a patient's health care that could potentially identify them is likely to be protected health information unless the information is completely de-identified. If I'm searching for a specific kind of doctor and I access a health care system or a hospital system and start re- researching for a doctor, is that potentially protected by HIPAA from the from the hospital's perspective? From the hospital's perspective, because the Office for Civil Rights said that the mere fact that someone goes to a hospital's website means that they have been a patient or will be a patient or are a patient, which is actually nonsensical because they're they obviously aren't familiar with my hypochondriac. Every time that something happens, that I immediately Google something. How do you even how do they even control that, Shannon? I mean, how do they? I I think that that was a bit of overreaching on the part of the Office for Civil Rights. Um, You could be going to a hospital's website because you are delivering uh, lunch to someone (laughs) or you want to apply for a job. There are lots of reasons why someone would be going on a hospital's website that has nothing to do with their individual health care. But there are clearly some web pages where you would be visiting because you are a patient or want to be a patient, such as a web page where you would be scheduling an appointment with a cancer doctor or something like that, where you're inputting your information. If if Facebook or some other third party knows that you visited that particular page, then they probably got a pretty good idea that you've got some kind of health condition. So that's the government's concern. They want covered entities to be aware of this problem and to fix it going forward. Eddie, don't you kind of think based on kind of the things that we see and deal with the regulators, it goes back to what Shannon is saying. I know this is what what they've said in their guidance, 
But in the end, it's really going to be the bad actors that are using these tracking devices, you know, tracking devices for really bad acts. I don't know from an enforcement perspective how they can control that every single time someone accesses a hospital website. It seems like people who are using it for bad purposes is really where they're going to have to, fall, you know, do their enforcement on. I mean, I guess we won't know till we until they do it, right? I, I would agree. But again, you know, when you're dealing with any type of regulatory agency, you know, sometimes you have to say, make it make sense. And a lot of time it doesn't make sense from a business perspective, as well as, you know, just from a licensing, governing, you know, regulatory perspective as well. Make it make sense is my life story, personally <laughs> and professionally. Shannon, is there anything else we need to keep in mind? Yes, a couple of things. Um if you, if you are using these tracking tools, the Office of Civil Rights is starting to send out requests to, to find out what different entities are doing. If you get a HIPAA complaint, they may include in their inquiry questions about your use of tracking tools. They're asking you to name any and all third-party data tracking technology vendors or suppliers of web tracking services that you might be using. They want to know what applications and platforms you're using where this third-party data tracking technology is used. They want to know the details of why you're using this technology, what data you're transmitting, when you engaged the third-party tracking tool vendors, and whether you've stopped using these vendors and a copy of any agreements that are in place. But in terms of real enforcement and the real negative consequences of using these tracking tools, the reality is that we're we're seeing more and more plaintiffs' attorneys bringing class action lawsuits against covered entities that are using these tools, like the Metapixels. They're bringing class actions not under HIPAA, because you can't sue for a violation of HIPAA, but they're bringing claims under state laws dealing with actually wiretap laws. They are saying that these tools and the recording that's done when someone visits the website is the equivalent of recording a phone conversation without permission. There are also cases brought under the Video Privacy Protection Act. If you have a YouTube video or something embedded on your website and you're telling third-party trackers that someone is viewing a particular video, that can implicate the Video Privacy Protection Act, apparently. They are also bringing claims relating to use of, they're saying that individual's health information was improperly disclosed and there's some state law that's been violated. These claims are, are not, are rarely making it past the summary judgment stage, but they are very costly to defend. Uh, we're also seeing more class actions related to use and disclosure of biometric information and there's another litigation risk relating to mass arbitration. A lot of times a website will have in its term that any claims have to be arbitrated. Well, the plaintiff's attorneys are figuring out that they can do mass arbitration and cause a lot of havoc and uh, expense that way. So you, you definitely want to make sure your website is not doing something with data that the patient wouldn't expect. If you're using chatbots or you are engaging in sort of artificial uh, communications with patients or using website data to feed an artificial intelligence tool or something like that, you want to make sure you're doing it in a way that is compliant 
Are there certain disclosures or consents that they can have through their process as people access, say, the the chat box or certain things that maybe they're that it can provide some type of protection for an improper disclosure if they're checking a box? I mean, is that something that can be done? Unfortunately, they'd have to be checking a box that means that they are signing a HIPAA authorization. And a HIPAA authorization is an extremely long document, and it would it has to have very specific language in it and disclosures in it. So uh, it would be cumbersome for a website to have a HIPAA authorization pop up where you click I agree or something like that. It could be done, but it, it's just cumbersome and not very user-friendly. And the whole purpose of your website usually is to engage with public. Make it fast, right? Yes, to be able right. to get the, it kind of goes back to what Eddie said to sometimes like make it make sense. Right, <laughs> um, right. Some ways. So um, that's sort of uh, in a nutshell, some of the, the new developments in HIPAA, we're still waiting on some proposed regulations to be finalized. Every day, state laws seem to be popping up that may or may not affect healthcare entities. So there's a lot of change in regulation of health data, and it's definitely something to keep an eye on, but that's uh, sort of it in a nutshell today. I think it's all very, very interesting, and I'm looking forward to when the new rules come out. When they, I mean, we've been waiting for a long time on those, and maybe we can jump back on and have a conversation about some of the rules and what you what you see with, you know, on the landscape for that. But I really appreciate you sharing all this new information with us. And we thank everybody for joining us today for another interesting conversation here in our capital in Tallahassee, things that are affecting all of us. Again, thank you, Shannon and Eddie, for joining us. And I hope everybody has a great day. Thank you for listening to Florida Capital Conversations. For more information on our Tallahassee office, please visit hklaw.com slash Tallahassee.